Hey guys, it's Nick. Before we get going today, I wanted to give you a few discount codes for the products we love and our show sponsors. So don't just turn this one off. If you're listening to this podcast, we at Hardwick Life want to reward you for your loyalty. So take 25% off of your order by using the code HardwickFF25 because after this long, we consider you friends and family. That's HardwickFF25 at Hardwick.life. It's like Hardwick.com, but that one was taken by a short company. So Hardwick.life is where you can find it. For 20% off at Bub's Naturals, Dot com. Use the code HARDWICK20. That's HARDWICK20 at BubsNaturals.com. And for 10% off at Julian Bakery, use the code Nick Hardwick. That's me at JulianBakery.com. Again, Nick Hardwick at JulianBakery.com. Now, if you want to hear what I take daily and get some insight as to what you should take, maybe stay tuned. If not, skip ahead about a minute and we will be into the show. Thank you all. All right. So you want to know what you should buy. I take six of our Hardwick Life products every day. I originally started that company out of kind of selfish needs. I wanted to get access to the absolute highest grade products in the world. Our supplements are pharmaceutical grade, all of them. They've got unique delivery mechanisms. So you aren't just getting expensive urine. You're actually absorbing the products at a higher rate than cheaper store-bought supplements. I take brain, joint, fuel, phyto, pump, and neuro. Now, that may be a little extreme for you, but those are my jams. Now, I've done a lot of damage to my body. I need all of them. The brain and joint, they're kind of self-explanatory, right? Fuel is one of the only whey protein powders that I can take that doesn't upset my tummy. And we hear the same thing quite frequently from folks that don't process dairy all that well. That's because it's made from New Zealand grass-fed whey. New Zealand has the highest dairy standards in the world. There's a noticeable difference, and the flavor, it's pretty damn incredible. For a Perry workout drink, which Perry workout, you'll hear that term, it means around your workout, or to add protein midday, I put two scoops of fuel with pump, which has three grams of creatine per savoring per serving, 400 milligrams of ATP, which is the body's energy currency, and 95 milligrams of caffeine to get you all fired up. All of those, they allow you to do more work in the gym, getting better results. More work equals better results. Who would have thought? Seriously, you can work harder and have a lower rate of perceived exertion. And I like to add in Fido, which has all of the necessary nutrients, vitamins, and minerals, along with this Patented formula called TrueBrock, which contains glucorophanin, which researchers at MIT are calling the fountain of youth. And lastly, I take neuro about an hour before bed. Dr. Andrew Huberman, a Stanford neuroscientist, hosted the Huberman Lab podcast and recent guest with Joe Rogan. I'm sure some of you listen to that guy. He's pretty awesome. Recommended in our third episode ever. We got him before he blew up. Magnesium L3 and 8, as it's the only form of magnesium to cross the blood-brain barrier. And it increases levels of brain magnesium, and that leads to better cognition and a more robust memory. That's important. It also has a slight sedative effect to help you get to sleep. All right, I'm not going to bore you with more details. Get over Hardwick Life and use the code HardwickFF25 for 25% off. 
Now, you guys that have been following me for a while now know that I've used Bubs Naturals since the company's inception. I don't know. I may be their first ever ambassador. I know there's a lot of bigger names now that are promoting Bubs. The company has blown up and is thriving because many folks like me understand how great their product is. I take two scoops of their collagen protein and one scoop of the MCT oil powder daily with my morning coffee. Try it once. You're going to be hooked. It's unbelievably creamy. The collagen is also really a great way to sneak some protein into your kids' lives too. It's unflavored, so you can add it into pancakes, oatmeal, mac and cheese, or juice. And they're not going to notice a thing. Use the code HARDWICK20 for 20% off. Lastly, before we get to the show, I want to tell you about my friends at Julian Bakery. This company, they've really got their act together. I believe most people could use more protein in their lives. It's got a very positive effect on satiety, brain signaling, and maintaining a healthy body weight. I recommend one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Please don't listen to Zach Efron's trainer who on their show falsely ties too much protein to kidney failure and loss of bone density. And certainly don't go to the Game Changers propaganda documentary on Netflix for your science. Neither of these use actual science. There's a lot of kooks out there, folks. We're going to keep fighting the good fight. I love a variety of protein. Obviously, I've told you about our whey protein, Bub's Collagen Protein. And Julian Bakery's specialty, in my opinion, is their egg white protein powder. They come in ridiculous flavors like pumpkin pie, coconut, maple glaze, donut. They blend easily. They're a great addition in the middle of the day. Use the code Nick Hardwick for 10% off. That's Nick Hardwick for 10% off. All right, that's enough. Let's get you back to the show. Love y'all. Casey, overall from an RD's perspective, what's the scoop on supplements? So in general, it's in the word, right? It's it's supplement. It's something in addition to, it's not meant to replace your diet ever. And if you're using it in that way, most people are looking for, you know, some kind of quick fix. Um, It's being used inappropriately. And so by all counts, you do not need, you know, for a normal healthy life, you do not need any kind of supplement. Now there are some, you know, uh, extreme circumstances where if you have any kind of clinical conditions, maybe you're deficient in a specific micronutrient, you're trying to correct for that. Yes, uh, certain supplements can be very useful. Um, but by and large, supplements are a convenience product. Okay. And, you know, but what you should really, really be focusing on is, you know, am I eating a healthy balanced diet? Am I getting regular exercise? Are my sleep uh, sufficient for my needs. Um, you know, are you drinking enough water? So all these basics should be checked first. You should check all those boxes first before you even consider supplements. But that being said, um, there are definitely some supplements if you're looking at uh, very high performing individuals. So, you know, high level athletes and things like that, there are definitely supplements that can take you, you know, that last little edge, they can bring you up, you know, that last one or 2% um, of improvement. But uh, for, for the most part, you're going to see a bigger return on your time and investments by focusing on the basics. Casey, I hear that a lot. It's like, you know, if you have a normal, healthy life or a normal, healthy diet or a complete diet, supplements aren't necessary. How many people would you say have a, like a normal, healthy diet though? Like a percentage is that, can you put your, could you put your finger on a number? On a number? I mean, I would say 
it's a small number. It's definitely a small number. And it's going to vary region to region and it's going to vary, you know, country to country as well. Right. Um, in America, I'll say definitely the majority of Americans. So more than half for sure are not following, you know, good sound practices to some degree. You know, we have a bunch of night shift workers. We have a booming fast food industry. You know, we have all sorts of things that are not conducive for, uh, for life. And especially now, nowadays, you know, I, I, you know, with COVID and everything, not many people are being able to be as physically active as they want to be. Um, so it, it's definitely true to your point is that like, the majority of Americans are not living to, you know, a normal healthy standard. And so for that end, uh, you know, supplements definitely might have a place if, if uh, we're correcting for some of these deficiencies. What would be some supplements that I could consider if I just want to work on my general health, if I just want to start somewhere? Sure. So probably the number one, uh, I'll list a couple, but probably the number one is uh, fish oil. And that's just because we aren't eating enough fish. Uh, when you talk to the average American, they're eating it very infrequently, um, if even one times a week, you know. Um, so fish oil is a good one. Omega-3s are incredibly important for all sorts of reasons. Like they're good for your health. They're good for fighting cancer, good for your heart, good for bones and joints, good for fighting inflammation, uh, good for your mood, good for your brain. Like they're, they're good for so many reasons. And there's old data or there's data um, that suggests that like ancient humans, their omega-3 to omega-6 ratio was uh, very, it was closer to like one to two to one to five, where you're having like one part omega-3 to, you know, two to five-ish parts omega-6s. And both of these are essential fats. You need both of them. But what we've done in modern times is we shifted that ratio where instead of being, you know, one to two to five-ish, now we're like one to 50, one to a hundred. Um, you know, we're eating extreme amounts of omega-6s and very little omega-3s. And so trying to bridge that gap, uh, trying to, I mean, the first step would be, can you eat more fish? Um, and there's some concerns with that even to this day, right? I mean, we tell pregnant girls and, you know, people considering to be pregnant, uh, you know, they should limit their uh, fish consumption due to um, heavy metals. And so, you know, we've kind of poisoned our, our fish supply. So it puts a little bit of a cap on how much fish we could actually be consuming in, in a week. Um, so with that, you know, just people's natural tendency to not eat as much fish in America and due to considerations of potentially overeating um, too much fish, uh, omega-3s make a lot of sense as a good um, supplement. And if you can bring that ratio down um, at all, <laughs> uh, I guarantee you, you're going to see major health improvements um, and potentially so performance improvements too. Bringing that ratio down, boosting up the omega-3s, obviously want to bring down omega-6s, just give people kind of a, not a, an exhaustive list of omega-6s, but where would they find omega-6s if they want to bring that number down and kind of remove more of them from their diet? Sure. So it would be like you're substituting out, I mean, almost everything in a, in uh, modern, you know, like if you're, if you're cruising the, the grocery store, like almost all the products in, in the middle aisles, they've been cooked or uh, processed with some kind of uh, like vegetable oils um, that typically are higher in omega-6s. And by themselves, omega-6s are actually not bad, by the way. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Like by themselves, okay. it, it's, not, it's, it's not bad. It's just that they compete with each other. And when one overwhelms the other, you don't have that balance. Um, but a lot of uh, animal like 
red meat um, kind of uh, products will will have that. A lot of vegetable oils will have the omega sixes. Um, there's it's typically the omega threes which are um, found in fish and some some plants. Okay. So like the omega threes can be found in things like, you know, flax and chia seed is what they say, but it's less bioavailable. Um, but it's mainly the, the other kinds of vegetable oils, which are our, um, uh, omega sixes. Okay. Yeah. What about, uh, fish consumption? You mentioned most of us are maybe only eating one piece of one serving of fish a week. How many should we be looking for? And are there better sources of that fish so we can remove the heavy metals? So what you see is that the, okay, so first question, how many, how much should you be eating? I think if you're, if anyone can just go from, you know, like one fish a month, I I, I mean, I don't know, at least in my family, no one loved fish except for my dad. Um, but, and my friends at the time growing up, like pretty much no one ate fish. So uh, if you were looking at annual fish consumption in like a lot of families, uh, at least in where I was growing up, it was basically negligible. Like me too, you, were, you yeah. know, there was just no fish being consumed ever. So if you're, if you're doing one fish a week, like that's already, that's amazing. Like if you can do that, um, they, they will say, you know, if you want to really be careful about the heavy metals, probably no more than twice a week of a uh, large fish. So small fish like bottom feeders, they tend to not have very much heavy metals in them. And the bigger your fish gets, cause they're eating up the food chain, um, they have a chance to accumulate all of these heavy metals. And so with that, if you can avoid um, some of the bigger fish, those will allow you to exceed that two times per week if you are um, concerned about, about that on that front. Um, but, uh, as to specific fish, um, you know, I know for the omega threes, you want to pick fatty fish. Um, and so some of the most common ones for that are, you know, salmon is probably the most popular. Um, you can buy a lot of frozen, um, you know, salmon at like your local Costco and, and oh, yeah. markets. Um, it, it's pretty hard to find other kinds of fish. Usually it's like a white fish that's in there. That's a little bit more lean and there's not really omega threes in there. There is some, but not as much. Um, but, uh, some examples of, uh, fish that are low in mercury. So I said like the bottom feeders. So you're looking at things like, uh, maybe like shrimp, uh, catfish, uh, Pollock, these probably have not too much mercury in them. Um, some ones that have a lot of them in there are things like, you know, King mackerel, um, swordfish, shark, uh, the, the, uh, the albacore tuna. So I'd have the to huge fish. Yeah. All the huge fish basically have, have lots of mercury in them and you should really be careful about avoiding those. And then the smaller fish you can, you know, tend to have a little bit more, but yeah, going from zero to any fish consumed is probably the move. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So any other supplements for general health, fish oil, obviously key. Got it. Yeah. So, okay. So fish oil, um, the next one that I'll say is vitamin D and okay. most Been hearing a lot about that lately. <laughs> exactly. Most people are inside. Most people are not getting enough sunlight. Um, but here's the thing about vitamin D you need to get your blood levels checked. Okay. Cause there is a sweet spot. So you're looking for about, you know, 30 to 80 is like the reference range. But if you're looking at the data, it's probably like 40 to 60 is where you want to be at. 
Um, and I see lots of people who, who hear that vitamin D is a good thing. And so they think more is better. And so they overdose on it. And vitamin D is one of our fat soluble vitamins, which means you don't pee it out if you eat too much. Okay. It stays with you, uh, forever, basically until you use it. Um, and so there's a huge risk to vitamin D toxicity, and it's almost as bad to be over on your vitamin D dose as it is to be under on your vitamin D. And so I do know people who this never happens in people who are not consuming supplements. Um, so put another way, the only people who tend to have, or who overdose on vitamin D are the people who are abusing supplements. Um, so my recommendation what is vitamin is, D, what does vitamin D toxicity look like? Um, I mean, you're going to get some of the similar symptoms. Um, I don't think anyone would actually in modern times get it. Like I said, unless you are, uh, overdosing on the supplements, but basically you will, vitamin D helps out with calcium, uh, processing and absorption and all of that. And so what can happen is if you overdose on vitamin D, you might see a buildup of calcium in your blood, um, which can cause things like frequent urination, uh, weakness, nausea, uh, vomiting. Uh, and if it progresses seriously, you might start developing bone and kidney problems, um, because you're building up like these calcium stones. Uh, so it, it can get, it can get kind of bad as, as it progresses. Um, but you would know this if you got your blood checked. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the punchline is don't, don't take the supplement unless you need it. So get your labs checked. You get a, a free physical on every single insurance, right? So go get your labs checked, get your vitamin D levels checked. Um, I would guess you're probably low, but then take an appropriate dose for it that your doctor recommends. Don't, don't just, you know, take like 10,000 IUs, you know, th five times a day and just, you know, hope that it works. Um, make sure you're following up with those and staying, you want to stay in that sweet spot. So carefully titrate your dose. Um, don't, don't, don't abuse it. And while I'm saying that vitamin D can be helpful for that, um, there are conflicting data as to whether or not that actually helps out with your um, end metrics. Like does taking vitamin D help out with, does vitamin D supplement actually help out with, you know, heart health or whatever it is that you want to look at? Um, there's data showing that people with, you know, higher low levels of vitamin D, you might have issues, but does taking a supplement actually translate into helping? And that data is a little bit more conflicted. Um, most supplement companies will tell you yes. And um, other people will say, well, the data is not exactly, you know, uh, clear. Um, but Honestly, what, what we should be focusing on first and foremost with this, similar to the fish thing is you should probably be getting enough sunlight. <laughs> um, yes. So if you can, if you can, you should be getting out and getting sun. There's a ton of data showing that people who are on the sun live longer and have less complications. Um, so we're not meant to be indoors all the time, but uh, the punchline, get, get your labs checked, make sure you're getting a lot of sun. And if you need it, sure, go take a dose of vitamin D. Um, and then what about, what about, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I had uh, one ish more that I think might okay. be good or maybe two more. Perfect. <laughs> um, so the, a lot of people are told to take like a general multivitamin to kind yes. of be like an insurance policy against, you know, a bad diet. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I think that 
for, for several reasons. One, your diet should just be good. Right. Um, but two, you're like, um, eat the good foods. <laughs> exactly. Um, but two general multivitamins, if you look at the bottle, like if you read the label, uh, their serving sizes on there, it's like, Oh, this has, you know, a hundred percent of your recommended amount of vitamin A. This has 5,000% of your vitamin C recommendation. You're like, Oh man, this is awesome. This is going to like completely, you know, uh, cover everything that I might be missing out on. But it's like, the hundred percent number is telling you how much you should shoot for in a whole day. Like, are you eating other food at all? Um, because if you are, you're going to be eating even more than what the supplement is providing. And there's risk, like I said, to overdosing on some of these compounds. And so, um, if you look at a generic multivitamin, try not to find one that has these mega doses, try to find one that's actually lower. Like, you know, it should probably be like 20% of your daily recommendation because oh, you're hopefully, yeah. you know, you're hopefully eating enough of the other stuff in a day. And even if you're eating trash, like even if you're eating terribly, you're still getting vitamins and minerals from, from some of your foods. Um, so look for ones that have a lower dose in the multivitamin. And that's if you're going to take a multivitamin, but what I would recommend as a more specific way is get your labs checked again, that recommendation, and then target what you're actually low in. Are you low in iron? Okay, take an iron supplement. You don't need everything else that comes with the multivitamin because all your other levels were fine. Are you low in B12? Okay, take a B12, but you don't need everything else. You know, Are you low in vitamin D? Same thing. Um, so, so really tailoring it and trying to minimize the amount of supplements that you're adding to your body will be uh, the good move. Um, and then my last one that I'll, that I'll mention, um, a lot of people, there's conflicting data. Okay. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of pre and probiotics these days. Um, and so I'm not as high on probiotics because so first let me define what pre and probiotics are. Probiotics are live bacteria. Yes. You have, you have a healthy gut, uh, bacteria. You have, you have more bacteria living in you and helping you out than, there are cells of you, which is kind of, uh, it's crazy to think of. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think of that. Yeah. Um, and so we, they help us out. It's a symbiotic relationship. They give us all sorts of beneficial, uh, molecules and compounds and vitamins and, and everything. Like they help us digest our food. They help give us things. Um, they're incredibly beneficial for health. You need a healthy gut. Um, and a probiotic is also live bacteria. And so what happens is when you're eating this probiotic pill, um, the hope is that this probiotic will, you know, somehow survive the acid in your gut and somehow, uh, you know, live through all that when the gut is specifically designed to not allow foreign invaders. So the acid kills bacteria. So you need a very, very high dose probiotic if you're going to have any hope of anything actually making it through there and then taking up residence in the gut. But what you see is even with these mega doses of probiotics is that it only transiently changes the gut microbiome. Um, and the second you stop taking it, your gut reverts back to, to what it was before. So um, it doesn't really have lasting improvements on your health if you're taking a probiotic, um, unless you plan on taking it for the rest of your life. Um, that being said, there are certain clinical conditions and there are certain um, situations where taking a probiotic makes a lot of sense. And it's very well indicated in the, in the clinical world. Um, like if you're traveling, um, there's certain kinds of like diarrhea, for example, um, where probiotics have been shown with like beyond a reasonable doubt to, to help out with this. Um, and if you're taking antibiotics, for example, antibiotics are probably one of the worst things in the world. And I know 
probably a lot of your listeners and myself, like when you're a kid, uh, they just, that used to be the, the catch all solution was like, Oh, oh my gosh. yeah, All you have a headache, you have a headache, antibiotic, uh, yep. ear problem, antibiotic, you know, like doesn't matter what it is, a scrape on your leg, antibiotic, <laughs> just giving that out all the time. That's right. And with that, you just blast not only the bad bacteria, but also the good bacteria. And so people's guts are in a terrible spot right now. And if you're going on an antibiotic regimen, there's, you know, there's some thoughts that taking a probiotic with that will help alleviate some of the damages that you're doing. Um, now the counterpart, the prebiotic, prebiotics are food for the actual bacteria. And this is what I like a lot more because um, what this can do is this can actually permanently change uh, your gut. So based off of your food patterns, what you can do is you can fundamentally and permanently change how your gut bacteria and microbiome looks. And so prebiotics typically are essentially just fiber. So it's, it's a prebiotic is basically taking a fiber supplement because the food for the gut is typically um, the fiber that we can't eat. And uh, we call it insoluble fiber. And so if you need that supplement, then I believe it can help. Um, you know, there's things like psyllium husk, which, which are great. Um, and they're good food for the gut. And they're also good for keeping you regular and preserving gut integrity outside of being food for the, you know, the little guys in there helping you out. Um, so anyway, um, prebiotics, I like more because it's a little bit more on the food side of things. Um, and there's more data to show that it can actually help. And Funny thing, one other thing that actually does help the gut uh, biome is physical activity. So people who are exercising tend to have a better gut biome. However, this only works if you are already eating a reasonable amount of fiber and are otherwise engaging in a relatively healthy diet. Um, so if you have a terrible diet and you start exercising, your gut biome actually just stays worse. Uh, but if you have an okay diet and you start exercising, then your gut bi uh, microbiome becomes awesome. So, you know, exercise, eating a lot of fiber, which comes in, you know, fruits and vegetables. Um, that's probably the, the standard recommendation there. <laughs> what are the best supplements for performance? Okay. There's a ton and it depends on performance for, for what, um, so I'll run through probably the most well-validated some, uh, ones, okay. but let me see. So the first one is protein powder. I'll say protein powder is well-validated and most people don't think that that helps with performance, but it does, right? It helps you build muscle, helps you pre preserve your muscle tissue. Um, it's very well indicated. Um, you don't need protein powder by any means. It's a convenient supplement as are most supplements, like I said. Um, but some people, you know, after the gym, they don't have an appetite. They don't want to eat a full meal. So they need something, you know, that's, that's liquid. Uh, so protein powder makes sense there. Um, if you have a, on, you know, you're, you're on the go, you're busy. I get it. Right. You need a meal replacement. Okay. Some protein powder makes sense. Um, so protein powder can definitely help out with building, preserving muscle tissue, as well as just ensuring that you're hitting your overall protein needs in a day. Um, the next one I'll say is carbohydrates. Uh, again, very basic stuff, right? But um, carbohydrates can help out. Uh, there's a reason why everybody has heard of a carb load. Um, it works for endurance activities. Um, and carbohydrates are the undisputed number one primary fuel source for all physical activity or high intensity physical activity. So if you 
care about performing well with high intensity activity, you should probably be having carbs. Um, and on that note too, if you care about brain performance, you should probably be caring about carbs as well, because your brain relies exclusively on carbohydrates until it's not available, then it has a backup system. But, um, you know, so carbs, are the number one fuel for your muscles, number one fuel for your brain. So any kind of carb, uh, hopefully you're choosing healthy carbs, but there are carb supplements. There's carb bars, you know, clip bars, all these kind of things. Um, feel free to stop me and cut me off if I'm no, I'm that's good. I actually, I actually take a, <laughs> when I'm going to go work out hard, I take a protein powder with a carb, like Vitargo. It's oh, just a, I know just Vitargo. Throw that in. Yeah. Just throw that in there to boost my carbs. So I don't have to go with a loaded up stomach and it just seems like my body drinks it up, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. But there's a, a bunch, awesome there's a bunch of them out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the, the OG sports supplement is the, you know, the good old sports drink. Um, you know, Gatorade. Like Gatorade. yeah. Yeah. And, and funny story that actually started out as a true performance. It's like a formula. Okay. They have, it's, it's not just like a drink meant to taste good. It's actually a formula. Like it's got a specific osmolarity. It's got a specific concentration of, you know, the electrolytes and the carb ratio and like how dilute it is and you know, what's the carb percentage in there. So it's actually a formula, which is really interesting. Um, but back in the day when it was first invented, it was invented for, for athletes. Like there's like, we need this high performing beverage, you know, it's liquid calories going to be easy on the gut, very rapid absorption. It's going to help with hydration. Uh, you're going to be replenishing your fluid. It's also going to help replenish the sweat losses of your electrolytes. Um, so it's carefully crafted. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the big companies Gatorade and Coca-Cola and whoever owns all those now, um, they were like, you know, giving it to these athletes and, you know, athletes started getting popular and regular people started drinking these drinks and they started sipping on them. And they're like, Oh, this is uh, this is really salty. What, what is this? Uh, we, we're, <laughs> we're, do, we're, we're doing it because the athletes are doing it, but uh, this is, this is kind of weird. And so they're like, hmm, uh, how many athletes do we have that we're serving? A couple, couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand. And then they're like, how many regular people are drinking these and watching the athletes? And they're like, ah, like millions of people are, are, are drinking these. Um, so they, they, changed their formulas around and now they're marketed to regular people and, you know, sponsor uh, athletes just kind of get the sponsorship deals, but the formula has been tweaked for taste and palatability now. And it's not so much, if you buy like a generic Gatorade, it's not really the formula it once was for athletes. Um, oh, that's a, a bummer. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, I get it though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> from a financial standpoint, I get it, but that's a total bummer. Yeah, there's, that's why there's, you have to, the athletes themselves, we have special electrolyte formulas that we use. Uh, we, we still do use, you know, some teams will still rely on, you know, like a Powerade or Gatorade or, or what have you, but um, there's, there's different ones for the athletes now um, because those have been kind of taken over by general population, which is kind of We sad. used to, <laughs> they used to give us a Gatorade salt pack that we would mm -hmm. dump into the Gatorade as well. Nice. So you'd have the regular Gatorade, like consumer Gatorade, and then dump the salt pack in and then take that down the hatch. <laughs> I bet that tasted great, right? Yeah. <laughs> On game day, you do what you got to do, right? Oh, I believe it. Yeah, no, you yeah. should. I I, uh, I created something called a uh, cramp juice, which um, it had several things in it, but it was basically like an electrolyte powder. And it was like, uh, it had some bubblies in there and, you know, had a lot of water. I don't know. It was mixed with like four different things. And, um, yeah, it tasted terrible. They hated it. <laughs> it was, they're like, I don't care what, how good this is for me. I can't pay. It's not palatable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. okay so, so carb drinks, carb drinks, carbohydrates, and protein, those are the most basic one. Right. And so most people have probably heard those and they didn't really 
ever think of those in kind of like the supplement mindset beforehand because right. they're so ingrained in popular culture now, but they really are supplements. Um, and so now I'll talk a little bit about some of the more interesting ones, I guess, you know, um, that people might consider. Creatine is probably the most, one of two, I guess, uh, extremely, extremely, extremely well-researched um, compounds that can have improvements on all sorts of uh all sorts of metrics. Okay. Creatine is actually being investigated for help with all sorts of neurological conditions and uh, uh, all sorts of other clinical conditions right now um, outside of its use for, you know, sports. Um, but first, let me tell you, creatine is actually naturally found in the body. It's not like some weird made up chemical. Uh, you are eating a lot of creatine in a day already. Um, if you eat just a, you know, like a salmon filet or something, or like a piece of chicken, uh, you're eating several grams of creatine already. It's found in a lot of these proteins and our muscles and our brain, they use this creatine. Um, it's actually a fourth source of energy. It's like a direct form of, uh, it's a direct form of fuel for all sorts of activities. So if you have to, if you just like jumped up and down right now. Uh, your body didn't really have time to burn carbs or fat or, you know, break down protein or anything like that. What you used in that quick split second moment was creatine. And uh, everybody stores right now, just a, following a normal American diet, you know, your creatine stores are probably sitting at about like 60 to 80% capacity. Um, it's pretty rare for someone to be eating enough protein in a day and enough, you know, these creatine foods in a day to be totally topped off at like a hundred percent. And that's why the supplement has been shown to help because it basically takes you from 80% to hundred percent or, you know, 60 to hundred or, you know, whatever it is. And what creatine does is it helps with these high intensity efforts, um, that last less than about 60 seconds in duration. So if you're doing a set at the gym, um, it's not magic. Okay. It's not magical. It's, it's like, okay, I was previously doing a set of 10 and now I'm doing a set of 11. All right. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm jacked overnight or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so what it does is it allows you to work a little bit harder. Um, it's like I said, instead of maybe three sets of 10, now you're doing three sets of 11. And because you're able to work harder, what you see is that in the long term you build more muscle. So creatine is actually, you know, an anabolic agent, but it does it just because you're able to work harder. Um, creatine also comes with a lot of water weight, um, and the water weight goes straight into the muscles. So a lot of people like that because it makes your muscles look bigger. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, man. Yeah, everybody likes that. <laughs> um, but the the interesting thing too is even if you wash off of the creatine, so you know you you get that water weight, and then three months from now, after you engaged in you know some kind of exercise program, you wash off the creatine, you lose the water weight, you still gain more muscle than if you hadn't been on the creatine. Um, so a lot of people are like, oh, it's just the water weight that makes you put on muscle. It's like no, it's actually because you're working harder and you're able to do more. Um, so creatine is great for that. It's also, you know, it boosts things like critical reasoning ability. Um, it reduces risk for concussions. Um, it does all sorts of cool stuff. So um, I'm a huge believer in creatine. Um, and as far as what you need, you only need creatine monohydrate. That's the cheapest form, which is usually not, not uh, how it works, but it's the cheapest and most effective form. Usually you got to pay a premium for that. Um, so creatine monohydrate, and there's a couple of different protocols, but like five grams a day is really all you need for, for creatine. Okay. So it's not the old loading protocol where it was like, you remember it was like 20 grams a day for 14 days or something that you can go back down to five. It's just five grams a day is fine. <laughs> yeah. So if you, 
Okay, here's the thing. So it takes several weeks for your creatine stores to boost up from creatine supplementation. So if you do the loading protocol, you can shave that time off by like a couple of days. So if you really care about getting your creatine stores up, like if you, you know, if you, if you're an athlete and you know, you're on a time crunch and you know, all this kind of, I wouldn't recommend you start a new supplement right before a big game, but um, you know, if you're on a time crunch, yes, you can shave a couple of days off, but for practical purposes, most people find that that's not really worth it. Um, and you might as well just keep it easy and keep it simple and stick with just, you know, the five grams a day. Cause your levels will top off anyway. It's just going to come like a couple of days later. Gotcha. So yeah. not a huge issue. Yeah. Um, so, okay. A couple other ones, the other one, which is insane amount of data behind it, caffeine. And this is everybody's favorite psychotropic uh, <laughs> supplement. Um, it's the most uh, consumed psychotropic in the world. Uh, it's commonly found in coffee and tea, as we know. Um, but what this does is this helps out with, I mean, everybody drinks coffee all the time. So you guys know what it does. It helps you stay awake. Um, but for performance, it helps with efforts that are more than a minute. So if you pair creatine with caffeine, all of a sudden you have pretty much all sort of athletic endeavors can be boosted by caffeine. Um, but caffeine also has some interesting mental performance improvements as well. So, you know, um, you can, uh, sustain vigilance and, you know, military is using it all the time. Um, so it will help you stay awake. It'll help you with, with some mental tasks. It'll help you with some physical tasks. Um, but the interesting thing about caffeine is it doesn't actually improve any kind of physiological metric. It's not like helping your heart beat faster or helping, you know, your lungs process oxygen better or anything like that. All it does is it tells your brain that you're not in as much pain as you really think you are, <laughs> um, which oh, is wow. kind of, which is kind of interesting. So it's like, uh, they have a scale they call like rating of perceived exertion, your RPEs. Um, if you are currently, you know, you're running and right now you're dying, you're totally gassed out. You're like, man, this is like a, a 10 out of 10 on my RPE. Like I've never worked this hard in my life. If you had caffeine before, you'd be like, oh, this is maybe like an eight or a nine out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10. And so you allow, it's taken, your brain's taken uh, its foot off the brakes a little bit and it lets you push yourself harder then maybe is, you know, safe, but you know, it lets you do that, which is why, why uh, caffeine has been shown to help performance um, because you don't feel the pain as much. Safety, um, safety. Yeah. We don't care about that. Care about performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you we, asked about performance. We, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so caffeine is another good one. Um, two that are very well researched, but not quite as much as creatine and caffeine. Um, beta alanine. Okay. Beta alanine there is very safe. Uh, again, you're eating it, a lot of it. Um, I won't go into like all of the, the science behind it, but basically what beta alanine does is it helps act as a buffer for some of that acid buildup that happens when you are doing any kind of exercise. So, you know, if you feel the burn, that's some kind of acid buildup. If you are doing repeated sprints, you know, that's kind of acid buildup and that's kind of your, your limitation on that performance is this acid buildup. And so what beta alanine does is this buffers that acid. It lets you tolerate more acid than before. So if you're doing, you know, repeated sprints or you're doing, you know, some kind of task where you're feeling the burn a lot, beta alanine will help you out for sure. Um, it helps with other stuff too, which is really interesting. Um, there's a lot of other, you know, um, suspected health benefits of beta alanine consumption, but uh, most people are just not eating enough of it in a day to top off their stores. And what are some sources of beta alanine? Exact same thing as the creatine. It's your protein. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and an interesting note about that actually is 
creatine and beta alanine because they're found in the protein. Um, when I'm working with vegan athletes, their stores are naturally lower. Their stores are probably at like 60% instead of, you know, that 80%. They're on the low end of, of that, maybe even lower. And what's really interesting is if you have, I'm, I'm not saying being a vegan, being a vegan athlete is like, there's so many extra nutritional challenges that you have to take in consideration. Um, I don't care if you're a vegan athlete, many are very successful. Um, but the really interesting thing for me on the nutrition front is if I have a vegan athlete, who's already very successful, right? They've already been doing it and they've been making it work. And I give them creatine or beta alanine. Um, when you give someone a supplement, usually you, they fall into two groups. One is like a responder and one's a non-responder. And sometimes people respond to creatine. Sometimes it does nothing to them. Uh, sometimes caffeine helps. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't help. Um, but with vegans and with creatine and beta alanine, because their stores are, are later, I can almost guarantee that they're responders. And I can almost like a hundred percent of the time that I've done, at least I see performance improvements. And that's really cool. Cause if you take this like athlete and you give them just one thing, all of a sudden they're like amazing. And it's like, they're like, Oh my God, what I, I got extra creatine. That's, I can, like, isn't that what everybody's <laughs> looking for? It's like, give me the one thing that's going to put me over the top. Exactly. Uh, so if you, if you have you just to, be, need to can... deplete yourself to a point <laughs> that that was exactly. Yeah. Just de deplete yeah. yourself, get successful, depleted, and then we'll replete you. And then now you're going to feel amazing. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's kind of how it works. Um, but yeah, uh, creatine beta alanine, very successful in vegans. And then the last one that I'll mention, um, it works by the same mechanism as beta alanine. Uh, however, it does cause severe GI issues. So like, don't try this unless you're like very smart about it. Um, sodium bicarb. So straight up baking soda. Uh, okay. what this does, the beta alanine, it buffers the acid in your muscle tissue directly. The sodium bicarb buffers the acid in your blood. So if you stack those two, very good for endurance performance. Um, so a lot of cyclists and runners and things like that will take the, the sodium bicarbonate to help out with their races. Um, but if you just start taking sodium bicarb right now, like I guarantee you, you're gonna be in the bathroom within like two minutes. Um, so you have to be very, very smart and start with these like small, small, small doses and kind of work your way up to, to an appropriate one. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so that I'll kind of stop there with performance supplements. There's a lot more that are speculative, but these are the ones that have the most research behind them. And, you know, I feel confident mentioning. Awesome. Let's, Hey, let's stop there. 